0: In rising early in the morning. Johnny, heading down the hill to the Minka where Miyamoto and Hanzo reside. And there they also train up disciples to be raised up in their stead. And in Johnny's hand is a letter from the king requesting that the samurai and shinobi would escort a train down to the ports full of very precious spices. And as Johnny is heading down the hill, the day is beautiful. The birds are singing their songs. Johnny can look to the right at the Tannen Lake. The children are playing around on the edges, and a few boats are casting in their nets. Johnny stops for just a second to see if Max and Ophelion perhaps is on one of those boats. But too far from here to tell but most likely they are. The filling of the paper in Johnny's hand reminds him to hurry up and get down to the Minga. And as he arrives, he can smell the cherry blossoms blooming, for it was imported there from the native country of the samurai, the cherry blossom being a very important flower to the samurai representing life. for the cherry blossom very easily can be shaken. The petals could fall with just the slightest of wind. Representing life can fall at the slightest touch. Johnny gets up to the porch, noticing that the door is cracked open just a little bit. It's unlike the samurai to have a door open Johnny can see around inside there before he gets to the door. Hello? Miyamoto, Hanzo, I'm here. It's Johnny. I have a letter from the king. But there is no answer. Perhaps they're in the back. Johnny slowly pushes the door open. Rice paper is what makes up most of the walls inside the minka. Hello, Mayamoto? Hanzo? Huh. And to the right, Johnny sees a small table and a bookshelf with a few books on it. And on that small table there appears to be a notebook. Johnny helps himself and steps on in. Mayamoto, Hanzo, it's me. But there's no answer. Perhaps they're out on an errand. They'll be back soon. Johnny sits on that table and grabs the book. Flipping through the pages. It's a historical book written by Miyamoto. An account that had happened long ago in Miyamoto's life. Johnny seeing the date on it. No doubt it was when Miyamoto was very young. Perhaps 20. Huh. Well, I guess I could just read this. This is very interesting. As Johnny read the journal, It all unfolded before his mind as if he were standing there with the young samurai. The scene is that of Miyamoto standing on a porch, a deck that wrapped all the way around a dojo. He was on guard that night, and a violent storm had entered into the land from the east. The rain fell upon all the earth, and while he was on guard that night, a flash of light revealed a man standing in the water puddles not too far off. Moto could see the scabbard on the man's side was old and worn, a clear sign of an experienced swordsman or just an old unused sword. But the confidence by which the man held himself removed all doubt of him being a novice. The stare down alone was sharp enough to kill Moto shifted his body to the right to expose his katana and wakish sashi. Modo, a young samurai in training whose calluses are still warm to the touch, puts his left hand just below the handguard of his katana, bringing it out a little for a quick draw. Telling the man to leave would do more harm than good, for in so doing would show a sign of fear and a show of defeat. Moto quickly realizes his hand is trembling. The sound of the katana rattling in its sheath gives it away. Straightway, he gets a hold of himself, but not before Hanzo sees the untrained hand shaking like a reed in the wind, to which he smiles a crooked smile at the sight. Moto steps down onto the ground and draws out his sword. And his opponent does likewise. Another flash of light from the sky reveals the face of this foe. And that's when Moto recognizes him. Hanzo is his name. One who used to be a samurai. But gave up the ways of the samurai and went after those of the shinobi otherwise known as the Ninja, the Stealth. They stand off facing one another at a short distance. The distance could easily be closed by a few forward bounding leaps. And the face of Hanzo is barely recognizable. The night sky had not altered his perception, nor was it warped by the bending of the moonlight piercing through the raindrops. The countenance of his face had been marred by an evil heart. Hanzo has his sword, a red-tinted thousand-fold sword with the image of his snake god stretched down the blade. How he forged it is anyone's guess. He holds it off to the side, with the blade down and his foot in front of him and leaning most of his weight on his back foot, a very common stance for a stealth. Moto studies Hanzo, and quickly realizing that there could be under his gi the possibility of a breastplate. Oh, yes. The neck, perhaps. Perhaps an artery in the inner thigh could be his best and only option. It was then that Hanzo reached his forward hand into his belt at his lower back, reaching for a secondary weapon. A star. Perhaps a star. Stealths are known for their incredible accuracy. The thought of him wielding dual swords is unbearable to think of. As Hanzo brings it in view, a quick flash of light shimmers off its cold, wet steel. Revealing it to be a Sai. A Sai is nearly impossible weapon to master. Moto has only heard stories of how great men have been disarmed and hacked down by this Psy and those who wield its majestic abilities. Moto could not imagine dying in such a dishonorable way. For a samurai to die unarmed and on his knees would bring great shame to the throne and to his master. Hanzo holds the sigh out in his left hand in front of him, moving the tip of it up and down and it angles. This taunting buys Moto time to calm down and wait for that door of death to open. Without further delay, Hanzo advances. The gap is quickly closed. Moto keeps his eye on Red Snake while at the same time being mindful of the sigh. Hanzo arrives with a fearsome strike. Red Snake shoots up at an angle towards Moto's left shoulder. With a quick shift, Moto sends the snake home empty. Hanzo brings the snake around in a full circle for an ankle bite, but Moto jumps up and back. The sound of its hiss can be heard as it slices through the raindrops. Moto lunges forward, for the neck of Hanzo is wide open by reason of him missing his mark. Hanzo's quick reaction allowed him to lean to the left a little further before that katana can plunge into his throat. The blade rips through his garments that are covering his neck and passes right in front of him. Hanzo brings up the side and attempts to get Moto's sword into a lock with an upward thrust and a sideways sweep, while at the same time bringing around Red Snake to the now vulnerable side of the young samurai. Fortunately for Moto, he spent a great deal of time practicing his quick draw for such a time as this with his wakasashi. In a flash, his short sword caught the red snake by the tip of his head. With his katana held down in the dirt with a sign and restricting the snake from biting on the left, a kick to Hanzo's face seemed a good option. Moto's iron heel crushes into Hanzo's chin, sending him back and freeing up his katana. Hanzo catches himself before he falls and strengthens his feet firmly to the ground. He then crouches lower and holds Red Snake and Asai out in front of him. He then leans a little to the left, leans to the right leans to the left and right, and sways backwards, and forwards. A more aggressive and unpredictable fighting style, he is now performing what is known as the Enchanting Serpent. Moto does not allow the egg of overconfidence to be laid in his mind, For he recalls from his teachers that such an egg will hatch arrogance. And arrogance yields a long cloak of pride which brings men down in perdition. It's not over until it's over. Hanzo's dance to the enchanting serpent, however, has never been told by any man living. For all those who stood before it were soon snared by its hypnotic spell. Hanzo leans forward then swoops down with a lean backwards. He then shifts his body to the right and rocks to the left. Red Snake lets out a hiss and licks the air, catching a scent of fear. Hanzo darts towards Moto as quick as an arrow. Red Snake opens wide his mouth to receive the prize. A series of strikes and slashes comes from all angles. Moto catches a left. Followed by an upward thrust towards his chin, a slight lean back by Moto allows the sting of death to pass right in front of his flesh. Venom is spread throughout all the air. Moto sees no opportunity to strike the dancing neck of Hanzo. Left with no other option, Moto uses his katana like a key, a key that will open the door of death. A phrase used when luring an opponent into exposing a weakness, hence, a door that will lead to death. Moto brings up his katana with a thrust to Hanzo's chest. Not surprisingly, Red Snake wraps around the katana and parries it to the right. Moto comes out of the parry with a series of short jabs aimed at Hanzo's knees in an attempt to get the snake to drop his guard. Unfortunately, Moto spent too much time dancing with the snake that he forgot about the sign. Hanzo wittingly puts out his right leg. Moto sees the opportunity and goes for the trap. He lunges at the inner thigh of Hanzo, but just as his katana arrives, it is met with the sai from Hanzo's left hand. Hanzo brings the sai up and catches the sword of Moto from beneath and locks on. With such an exaggerating, wide sweeping motion to Hanzo's left, Moto is unable to hold on. As the katana leaves his hand, the snake strikes Moto on the left side of his face and across his brow. Moto jumps back to avoid another blow, but Red Snake had tasted blood and is thirsty for more. However, Moto, even though he feels the venom burning like fire, He lives by the old saying of the ancients, fight now, bleed later. Hanzo, advancing on Moto with Red Snake, like a madman, whips the enchanting image up at an angle, then straight across followed by a downward slash. And as Hanzo attempts to bring the Red Snake up at Moto's left, Moto jumps in, feet first, locking the handle of Red Snake between his ankles, a move that... He would practice from time to time with his younger brother, just for fun, but never intended to use it. Moto, holding the snake firmly, falls on his back. Hanzo violently pulls and jerks Moto across the wet rocks in an attempt, an effortless attempt, that is, to free his hand. Moto can hear the snake biting and hissing its taunting tongue can be felt licking the arm of moto the young samurai at this point hanzo raises up his thigh over his head with the point facing down with all the pin moto to the earth it was then moto can hear the key turning in the hole the lock has been broken and the door of death swings wide open on the hinges of opportunity to reveal the bowels of Hanzo. In a flash, Moto draws out his wakasashi and runs it across the stomach of Hanzo. An escaping gasp of air can be heard from the stealth. Blood puddling in one eye, and rain falling in the other causes temporary blindness for Moto. The clink of the sigh landing on the ground was a comforting sound. Moto can no longer hear the hissing of Red Snake. Hanzo slouches to his knees and folds down to his side. And after Johnny finished that entry, he couldn't bear to turn the page again to read anything else, for it had been far too great already on the imagination. Therefore, he closes the journal. And unannounced to him, Miyamoto and Hanzo were standing just in front of him. Oh, uh, good morning, Miyamoto, Hanzo. Good morning, Johnny, Miyamoto holding a tea kettle in his hand with a few cup and saucers. Are you thirsty this morning? I have just made it. It has to wake you up. Oh Yes, thank you very much. Um... This journal, is it a real journal? Oh, yes. Everything in the true Every last thing is all true. Oh. What did you read? Uh, I read about a fight from when you were very young. Oh, that fight. Oh, that's far behind us now. You were enemies at one time? Oh, fierce enemies. Number one enemies. Yes, very much number one. Johnny grabbing that tea and taking a sip of it. But now we're friends. Everything behind <laughs> us now. Um. Also, how is Hanzo still here? I I read that you you cut him. Oh, it's a story for another time. I understand. Oh, and oh, I came here for a reason. Would y'all be interested at all in and There's a convoy leaving out in just a few hours. Could y'all escort the convoy down to the docks? How far are the docks? Three days there, three days back, so give yourself a week, maybe a little more. Ah, yes, anything for you. So, we'll get things ready. That's excellent. All right, well, I'll go let him know. Okay, Johnny. We'll be there within 30 minutes, we'll be ready. Sounds good. Johnny exits out the minka. Hanzo, getting a cup of that tea poured into a cup, bringing it up to his mouth and taking a sip as they both walk to the window. It overlooks the garden. It overlooks the cherry blossoms. Hanzo taking a sip and looking over at Mayamoto. So, how are your forehead doing? Uh, my forehead is it's fine. It's, you can hardly tell it's there. Huh. Mayamoto taking a sip of that tea as well. How your stomach doing? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, 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 you don't want to talk about it, but you want to talk about my forehead. Don't want to talk about it. Hmm. And they watch the petals of the cherry blossom shake off the flower and land firmly on the ground and get blown away by the wind. That's the end of that chapter.